live on YouTube as well. What is going on? Welcome to the Red and Bold Show. This is where 49ers Camelot and 49ers Cutback intersect. And we call it the Red and Bold Show. What's up, Ant? How's it going? Uh, it's it's going. I mean, here we are. It's a, a love day as it's Valentine's Day and everyone's thinking about love. Where is the love for Steve Wilkes? Because Steve <laughs> Wilkes is out. Uh, sometimes breakups are hard. And Kyle Shanahan, after a, a couple of nights of thinking about it, decided that Steve Wilkes was not the answer for defensive coordinator. And now comes a bunch of questions about where the 49ers are going to go with that. Or is it going to be in-house? Is it going to be outside the building? They went outside the building once, and it was Steve Wilkes. Uh, so this is an interesting thing, but who knows? Uh, when it comes to Kyle Shanahan, you just never know. But I'm guessing he's got some sort of thought on who he's targeting or what he wants to do. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, we titled this Breaking Down the 49ers Super Bowl Loss. And then, what, an hour? Uh, no, maybe, maybe less than two hours ago, Kyle Shanahan announced that he has fired Steve Wilkes. And so I should have changed the the title on this, but uh, didn't even think about it until I just now glanced at the title. But hey, maybe we can go back and change the title. Like, who cares? I mean, we, we've lost a Super Bowl. We've yeah. lost a defensive coordinator. And uh, we just need people to give us a lot of hugs right now because this has been, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like when the 49ers lost Super Bowl, was it 45, uh, 48? Four, I don't 54, remember. The, the, or which no, one the, are you talking the, about? The Colin, yeah, 2012, Colin Kaepernick when uh, I don't remember what one that was. 45, I think. Yeah, 40-something. Um, <laughs> I was just stunned. Like I was, I was walking around lost because 49ers don't lose Super Bowls, so what the heck is – going on here and then when they lost super bowl 54 man that was depressing but i gotta tell you this one might be harder simply because you can see the pain on the on the players uh what what they're dealing with that and the fact that i i feel bad for because it's been 29 years since the 49ers won a super bowl and i feel bad for those fans that are 35 and under who don't remember that, you know, or weren't born yet. And so, you know, you and I got to experience a lot of Super Bowl victories, but there are a lot of 49ers fans who've never experienced that. And that makes me sad because it's an incredible experience. Yeah. I think one thing that's interesting, uh, this one compared to others is kind of the connection that I have with the team. You know, and I, I think a lot of fans build connections uh, but I really built a connection with these players and it, my heart broke for the players. Yeah. I could, mm -hmm. you know, I could care less about myself. Like I don't care that the, you know, the team lost from me, people could send right. me whatever text messages or whatever they want, but these are good guys. These are good players who are giving everything they have to be the best at their sport. And I just felt like it was just gutting for them. You know, I mean, I wanted it for those players. I wanted Brock Purdy to come back after that injury and I wanted Christian McCaffrey to be able to get a Super Bowl because he deserves it. And I think that that was the toughest part, was just watching those players have to endure, you know, what they were going to have to endure now for an entire offseason, which was going to be complete negativity. No one was going to look at what they did to get to that Super Bowl and how they pushed the defending Super Bowl champions to the absolute limits. Uh, it, it That's not going to be the conversation now. It's just that they couldn't get it. 
And that's unfortunate. So I have a great feeling for those players. And, you know, whenever an offseason comes, now the questions come, who's going to be around, who's not going to be around. We already see changes now with Steve Wilkes. The incarnation of this team is never going to be the same. They're going to be different. Uh, so that connection going from training camp all the way till now definitely made me feel a little bit different about it. Uh, but I, I'm hoping these guys can get over it and, and get back on the hump because uh, they're still a really good football team. Yeah, and uh, just a tough break. I mean, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, like what went wrong. And when you consider that, like you said, they took the defending Super Bowl champs right to the very end, and yet the 49ers made a lot of mistakes that if any one of those mistakes didn't happen, we could be celebrating right now instead of uh, those Chiefs fans. So uh, Steve Wilkes, not the only one that is out today. Anthony Lynn is leaving to go be the Washington Commanders game uh, run game coordinator. Uh, Daryl Tapp uh, is leaving to go be the Commanders D-line coach. That one hurts because he's uh, he's really good. James Craig is going to coach uh, Raiders offensive line. Clint Kubiak, which we knew uh, is going to be the Saints offensive coordinator. That one stunk to me because I, I just know that the team was really high on him. They see him kind of as an up and coming star. And so that kind of stinks to be losing guys like this, but uh, you know, what, whatever, you know, what a, it, let's see, Josh is here. He said depressing. Yep. It is depressing. Kyle got mad. He had to call a timeout for Wilkes. Yeah, if you go back and look at that, what was that? Was that a zero blitz that he was going to just – and that was zero blitz. That's what he ran against the Vikings right before halftime, right? Yeah, he ran zero blitz against the Vikings. He tried to come after Patrick Mahomes earlier in that drive, and Mahomes beat him. Uh, he was running soft coverage most of the time. He was basically allowing Kansas City to go into field goal range, and I thought Kyle had a different mindset for how you handle that situation. I think Kyle wanted to go out there and bury them and never allow them an opportunity to get into field goal range. And Wilkes seemed to go with what he normally does, bend and don't break. Once they get inside, you know, the 40-yard line, then you try to clamp down and get a stop. But with Patrick Mahomes, that means you're one throw or, or one potential big play away from making something happen. So there was a difference of opinion. I think there was probably a difference in opinion a lot during this season. And they did a good job of, of you know, being able to work through their differences and make it happen for the season. But I think Kyle just looked at it and said, hey, I, I want someone that's more thinking the way I'm thinking when it comes to calls. And so he goes ahead and he moves away from Steve Wilkes. I think it's understandable. In the, in the biggest moments, you want guys who think your way. Now, do I think Steve Wilkes did a bad job? No, I thought Steve Wilkes did a really good job in the Super Bowl. Uh, that was evident. I mean, the touchdown in regulation that they give up is an 18-yard drive after a you know a missed fumble or a fumble on the, uh, the punt. So they did so good in the game. It's unfortunate that, you know, this breaks up and they don't get a Super Bowl out of it. Yeah. But, but you make a good point that there were, there was the early season stuff where uh, like against the Vikings, the, the zero blitz call right before halftime uh, and, and Shanahan called him out. Then right before, uh, well, actually during the, the bye week um, they have this discussion Coming out of the bye, uh, Wilkes moves from the booth to the sideline, and so yeah, you're right. There were times that they that they just didn't uh, they weren't on the same page. Uh, Josh said defensive line has to get back to 2019 form. That's going to be hard to get back to that form, but 
they definitely need to get back to 21-22 form. That 2019 uh, defense was was just different. Uh, David Campbell, what's up, man? Uh, 49ers D never quite looked right under Wilkes. The drop-off and run defense and the lousy tackling all over was telling. Yeah, and here's the thing. like When you have players who tackle really well, when you have Fred Warner missing tackles, when you have Dre Greenlaw missing tackles, is that a defensive coordinator thing? And then and then go back to that uh, NFC Championship game where they were called out. Uh, Wilkes was one of the ones that called out the defense for poor effort or lack of effort. Are those things, is that on the coordinator? Is that on the head coach? Or is that just simply on the player? Or is it all of the above? Yeah, I think it can be a combination of because uh, sometimes missed tackles are situations where you have poor form, you have a poor angle, and it's on the player. You have other situations where you have too much space. Uh, a lot of people don't think about space, but when you're in the open field, if there's too much space to your left and right, that gives a runner the opportunity to have more area to move. So you have, as a defender, a harder time making a tackle. I felt like that was the real problem in the NFC Championship game was too much space. you got you know, linebackers and, and safeties trying to make plays in the alley, and there's just a lot of space there. So that can fall on your coordinator or that can fall on execution. I think it was a combination of all. I think Steve Wilkes uh, is, is a good coach. I think you know he, he has his scheme that he likes to run, and I don't think he fully ran his scheme this year, and I think that's part of the problem. Whenever you inherit coaches or you have coaches that you bring in, they also bring in their own philosophies. They're different. Um, sometimes that meshes really well and it helps the entire staff grow. And sometimes it just doesn't work out and you have to move a different direction. It doesn't mean they're not a good coach and you're not a good coach. It just means together you don't mesh. It's like oil and water. It just doesn't work. Right. And so I think that's what happened. And so I think it's a combination of all things. And Kyle just felt like now it's time to move on and go a different direction and try to find someone that's more like-minded for what he wants. Yeah, let's get to a few things here. Um, let's see. Uh, like what David said here, you have to give Wilkes credit for the DB play. I agree with that. Uh, they, uh, the, especially the corners, they played pretty well. And you look at what uh, what they had with Jair Brown, a rookie that didn't play that much in the regular season, but he came up with a big play to kick off that, uh, uh, that second half. Uh, so I do think that Wilkes did a good job there. Um, CJ's uh, with us. He says, yo, what's up, CJ? Uh, Josh said, Jets need to fire Sala and he needs to come back. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gray Fox uh, looks like this is uh, one of one of your guys uh, donating twenty dollars. So uh, thanks for that. Uh, thanks. Gray and Fox. he said, appreciate it. He says, I don't uh, I don't think this was done without Kyle having someone ready to replace Wilkes. And I also think it's a big name. Hoodie, Vrabel, Wink, or do you guys have someone else in mind? Like, I think that Bill Belichick is our dream. He coached, he, he was the defensive coordinator for one of the greatest defenses that I've ever seen. Now, those Giants defenses in the 80s, had Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> the 49ers don't have Lawrence Taylor. I mean, they have Nick Bosa, but he's no Lawrence Taylor. But Bill Belichick is not going to go be a defensive coordinator. I would be absolutely stunned. Would I love it? Yes, but I uh, just don't think uh, 
I just don't think that's what's going to happen. So I want you to, <clears throat> I want you to uh, address Gray Fox's question uh, because I see Josh asked uh, the same thing. What are options to replace Wilkes that can run our scheme? So a uh, couple of people here asking about that, uh, uh, that, you know, who it might be. What, uh, what are your thoughts there? <clears throat> yeah, I think there's some, you know, there's some names out there and you're right. I don't think Belichick is really going to be the answer. And that's why I don't think Mike Vrabel is the answer because they also come from a different scheme, right? They run like a three, four. They like to uh, bring those outside linebackers up. That's what they were going to get with Nick or with Vic Fangio and Kyle <laughs> didn't want to go that direction. So he wants to keep this as close to what he does as possible. And finding guys that fit that is going to be interesting. Now, Wink Martindale also went to Michigan. He's going to be their defensive coordinator, so he's off the market. So finding someone is going to be interesting. Now, I do think Kyle has some guys in-house he might think about. And I've thought this for a long time, ever since they brought Nick Sorensen in a couple <laughs> years ago. First, he was just somebody that overseen. Then this year, he was over Nichols and a passing game. I, I think he's a, a, a potential replacement. Uh, he understands the system now. He's been in it for two years. But he had a lot of experience in Seattle with Pete Carroll. I think he makes a lot of sense. Then you got to look at Daniel Bullock as well. I think he's been the secondary coach for a while. He understands the system. So he's another guy in-house that makes sense. When you start going through the league, it gets a lot more interesting, right? Do you want to turn a defense over to somebody that's big name, that has their own philosophies, their own thoughts? You don't have to worry about it. Uh, could you go out and get a Rex Ryan, somebody like that, who's talked about coming back? I don't know. Uh, to me, there's there's younger guys that make more sense. Somebody like a a, a Chris Richard or Ricard, maybe he, he's out there. He's available. That's a guy that's been in Seattle, understands the system at the base. He was been experienced with the same sort of thing. Solid did, but also Chris Shula. Chris Shula got an interview with the Baltimore Ravens for their coordinator job, and he's with the Los Angeles Rams. So he's going to have an understanding of some of the principles. Uh, but he's a young guy, 37 years old. 49ers might find some ability to go there. So I think there's some guys that are options for Kyle Shanahan and some guys that are in the house that are um, options for Kyle Shanahan. I'm sure he's going to look at the in-house first, but he's going to, he's going to make a broad uh, net put a broad net out there and find out what he could find, but he's got to find somebody that he feels can really take this defense back to where he thought it should have been uh, this season. Uh, BB said Sherman, <clears throat> that would be an interesting one for sure. I don't think that it would happen, but I think that Richard Sherman would be really good as a defensive coordinator. That dude is smart. Um, I would love uh, Richard Sherman as defensive coordinator, but my honest belief from what I've heard from Richard Sherman, I, I listen to his podcast a lot, is that he does believe in hierarchy. So he would think that he needs to come in as a, as a defensive backs coach first and work mm -hmm. his way up. Uh, but I, I think he's he's got the potential. He played in the system before. If Kyle felt that that was the best direction to go, and he is really smart, uh, I wouldn't argue with him because I do think one thing that Richard Sherman does better than anybody is think about what the opposing team is going to do. Like he he was just on top of the game, so that's a really smart choice. If it was Sherman, I would I would be all for it. All right, let's see. Uh, we've had somebody throwing out Pete Carroll. Uh, I, I I would kind of put him in the Belichick uh, conversation. He's probably not going to want to do that. Uh, let's see, Josh asking, does Chris uh, Kasurik get the bump? I don't know if he wants to be a defensive coordinator. Um, I, I just keep hearing that that's not something that he's interested in. So, uh, But certainly that 
but here's I don't I, this look, tell me what you think about this. Wilkes was a, a secondary guy. Stala and Ryan's were linebackers guys. And Shanahan talked today about the disconnect between the front and the back end. So that's one of the one of the things that I've heard about Kasurik that makes you think that he's not going to be the guy is that you really need your defensive coordinator to be somebody who has a better understanding of that backside, but especially like the linebackers. And so that's why you don't see a lot of defensive line coaches being a defensive coordinator. Now that's not always the case, of course, but that's part of the argument as to why that doesn't normally happen. But what do you think about that? You think that Kyle, especially based on what Kyle said today, you think that they're going to go with somebody that's more linebackers focused? Um, I don't think it really matters. I mean, Sorensen, Sorensen would be a guy that's more secondary based, right? He worked with Nichols. Uh, that's kind of where his presence is. So um, I think secondary is okay. We've seen some of the best coordinators in the 49ers history, and they were secondary guys. Sure. George Seifert, yeah. for instance, was a secondary guy. Ray right. Rose, a secondary guy. Uh, but I do think that there's a certain in intensity that maybe Kyle's wanting from that defense, and that's what you got with Solid. Now, D'Amico is rare because D'Amico is one of the smartest coaches I've ever seen. Like, the guy just experiences football faster and quicker than everybody else. The reason I don't think that it's going to be Chris Kasarik is Daryl Tapp left. If this was going to be Chris Kasarik as defensive coordinator, they'd send Tapp. Do not leave. Be our defensive, our defensive line coach. And then you could have kept the exact same scheme. He's been coaching it for a while. So I don't think it's Kasarik. I don't think that's what Kasarik wants. But yeah, finding somebody that has an intensity that sees football the way D'Amico Ryan sees it, I think would be Kyle's ultimate goal. But I don't think he cares what position it comes from. But you're right. There has to be a connect. You have to find a way to connect all three phases of the defense together. If you don't, you're going to look out of sorts. And I think at times that's what you saw. And I don't think it's set well with Kyle that you have this secondary coach. And Steve Wilkes is a good coach but they were 14th best against the pass. When you bring in a secondary coach, you're expecting them to elevate their game and be in the top 10. And I just don't think they lived up to his expectations. Yeah, I, I would agree. I want to get to some of these uh, comments. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the ones that are, are, are that are along the lines of what we're talking about right now, before uh, we start talking about Shanahan or offense. Uh, let's see. Uh, Luke, the Don said, Kyle wants to keep our D the same. So Vrabel and Bill are out. Wink likes to blitz, which we don't do. So he's out. Yeah. I, I don't think that any of those names are going to make it. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I want to go to the, the, somebody in the PSF app, uh, Derek 201 MVP Rose said, have you guys seen what happened in Kansas city? Yeah, horrible thing that the Kansas City Chiefs uh, had their their celebration parade today, and somebody showed up and started shooting people. Um, so just a oh, horrible. I did not hear that. Wow. Yeah, horrible thing. Somebody was killed, and several several others have been seriously injured. So uh, hopefully everything uh, is okay there. Uh, he also said that Kyle has blown a bunch of leads in big games. He's blown. He's blown. Two 10 point leads in the fourth quarter uh, in Super Bowl uh, 54. 
in the 2021 NFC Championship game. And and then they had a a 10-point lead early in uh, this Super Bowl. So yeah, he has blown some leads. Um, I don't I don't really agree with the thinking that Kyle can't win big games because he's won big games to get to the big game. Um, but uh, but yeah, I get what Derek's saying. I, I mean, uh, it, it's at some point, man. This is there's got to be a breakthrough. It's like we we can't keep having these uh, gut wrenching losses there. Uh, I want to go back to something that, uh, that CJ said here. Um, should Brock have thrown to the void vacated by the Blitz, which was the team's best player? Uh, I'm not sure which which play he's talking about. Uh, CJ, if you're still in here, let me know which which play you're talking about. Um, let's. Oh wait, hang on. Here's. Here's one that he asked earlier. Please discuss third and four with two minutes left. Uh, gosh, what, what the third and four with two minutes left? This is not the. Uh, this is not overtime. Then this is regulation. Do you know what? Do you know what he's talking about? Yeah, I don't know entirely what he's talking about. You know, I mean, uh, he said in regulation, so he's talking about third and four in regulation. Um, I don't remember this off the top of my head, to be honest, I haven't went back and recapped this game. And a lot of it at that point was kind of like your emotions are, are going through the roof. He said the McDuffie blitz. Yeah, I mean, the, the rule of thumb is if you blitz you where the blitz is coming from, that's where you throw. Now <clears throat> they also have built in hot reads. And so if the hot read was somewhere else, that's a lot of times where you go with the football. Uh, so a lot of times when they're up at the line of scrimmage, they are moving their protection one way or the other. So sometimes because of protection going one way or the other, that will dictate where he feels the pressure is going to come from, whether the blitz is coming from there or not. And so he, if he felt like that was going to be picked up, he might have been looking somewhere else. So without knowing the exact play and the, and the key, the read on that, I can't give you a complete accurate answer, but the rule of thumb normally is where the blitz comes from. That's where the void of the defense is. You throw it there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there was opportunities for the 49ers to score in regulation. There was opportunities for them to score in overtime. Uh, but pressure up front was definitely a problem for the 49ers, especially once Feliciano got hurt. Yeah. Uh, Josh asked, did we do Wilkes dirty? I mean, I definitely think that Wilkes, I don't, I don't know that he was done dirty, but he definitely came in with the, the deck stacked against him, so to speak. He followed two charismatic, uh, successful coordinators and, and had to learn their defense, which, we all know is is really Kyle Shanahan's defense, um, rather than bringing in his own. And so early in the season, he was still learning the defense. Um, so he kind of had a he kind of had the deck stacked against him. But I, I don't think that he was done dirty necessarily. No, I don't think so. I think that you know they gave it a full season, right? I mean, Kyle never really wavered in his support for <laughs> Steve Wilkes. There was a couple occasions where. You could tell, you know, he said, hey, he shouldn't have done that, zero coverage or whatever. Uh, I thought those were were learning things for Wilkes as far as this system. But I think you gave it a year, it didn't work. I think what would have been worse is if Kyle would have let this go a little bit longer and then said, you know what, it's not going to work. I think they tried it, it didn't work, you move on, and you just you find somebody that does fit what you're looking for. Uh, I think Steve Wilkes is a good coach. He's going to land somewhere eventually. I don't know if that's in this cycle now. But, I mean, you were preparing for a Super Bowl, and if they had won the Super Bowl, there 
there might have been an opportunity. Kyle might have fired Steve Wilkes anyways, even if they won a Super Bowl mm -hmm. because of the disconnect between him and the defense. Uh, so you, you just never know. Uh, let's see. Kyle mentioned there. Uh, this is uh, Kyle mentioned Stovey. Kyle mentioned there. They are not married. I think that's what he's saying to their defensive scheme. Bill is possible. Plus Bill and Kyle have ties. Yeah. Shanahan did say that he's open, that he wants to keep the scheme the same for the players. And I, I think that's partly true. I think that, I think that he likes that scheme as well. But he did say that he's not uh, that that he would be open to um, using a different scheme. Now, that's that's why the 49ers didn't end up with Vic Fangio because Fangio was locked into his own scheme, and Kyle didn't want that. Kyle wanted his scheme, and so that uh, that that man, what? How would it have been if Fangio? I mean, Fangio was great under Harbaugh. It doesn't mean that he was going to be great uh, now. Um, so it, it doesn't. I mean, the thing is, right, is we saw Vic Fangio have struggles in the playoffs as well. 2012, if you go back, it was a Colin Kaepernick comeback against Atlanta that gets the win and gets to the Super Bowl. It, they gave up points a lot. Uh, so, I mean, it is no perfect coordinator. And you are trying to marry your coordinator to the scheme and to the players because you draft or a particular scheme. You know, you got Nick Bosa. He's not an outside linebacker. Yeah, he could probably do it in a 3-4, uh, but that's not what you got him for. You got him for a particular set of skills. Javon Hargrave, you know, and, and Eric Armstead, uh, the way that they're built now, they're not exactly five techniques anymore. So uh, to me, I just don't think they're built for the 3-4. If they went that direction, I'd be curious to see who they bring in. They're going to have to get a really large uh, defensive lineman to play in there and be a two-gapper. Uh, things change when you go three, four. So it's always a possibility, but right now I don't see the personnel for it. They'd have to draft for it. So CJ was talking about th that play was the play um, where uh, Brandon Ayuk was wide open. This was not in overtime. I remember the play that he's talking about now. Uh, this is where Purdy threw it out to his left. I think it may be to Jawan Jennings, maybe uh, and like skipped it uh, to him and Ayuk was open over the middle right at the first down marker. And so, yeah, um, he said game over if he throws it. So now I'm, I know what he's talking about. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Josh said Hargrave didn't pan out like the Niners hoped. Yeah, especially because he's not a run stopper. And I think that when they struggled, they needed somebody like a DJ Jones. But I also you, you think, think that so? he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that he's that. I don't think that he's that. And, and coming in, that was kind of his thing. Was great uh, as a pass rusher, not great against the run. And I feel like that's been kind of an issue that they've had throughout the season. Yeah, I agree. He's not as good as a run stopper as you know others have been. But he produced seven and a half sacks. I think we got to remember that last year the San Francisco Forty ers had three sacks from their interior defensive line <laughs> completely. Uh, yeah, and he got seven and a half by himself. They got him for pass rush. If you go back to 2019, the 49ers gave up 112 yards per game on the ground. Buckner was more of a pass rusher than a run stopper. This year, they gave up in total, including playoffs. It was 97 yards per game on the ground. It's still better than the 2019 defensive line playing against the run. 
So I think that they knew what they were getting themselves into. They were playing and getting a team that was going to play with the lead. You were going to be able to get after the passer with pass rush, and they would have to turn away from the run game. That's why a lot of it, drafting, signing, everything is about scheme and about how you plan on playing against people. High-powered offense, defensive line that can get after you, play with the lead, you win. And so I think that's what it is. I think Hardgrave did his job. I just don't think that we can we, – I don't think we can have a guy that can do both, like, outrageously good. Uh, it's just – it's not built. Like, we just don't have that guy. But I, I think Hardgrave was fine. I, I think he brought what they wanted him to bring. Seven and a half stacks is still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. David said, if I were Kyle, I'm going to see – is Jim Schwartz. Uh, if Jim Schwartz would come here, he's the wide nine specialist. It's also the reason why Kyle brought uh, Kasurik. That's that's a good point. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Is, is Kasur, or, uh, Schwartz, is he, is he still, is he already Cleveland. employed? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's still there too. So um, so that's probably not going to happen. But that's, uh, that's a good thought. I, I think that Schwartz would be good. Uh, maybe not if Jim Harbaugh was the head coach, but uh, <laughs> uh, we all remember how that went. Uh, let's see. I saw another one here. Um, uh, CJ said uh, Hargrave cost 22 mil per season. So, yeah, I mean, that is uh, something to consider. Um, trying to find the one that caught my my eye, but uh, that's all right. Uh, I'll see if I can find it in a minute. But let me ask you this. If I were to say that the biggest thing that happened that cost the 49ers the Super Bowl was that Dre Greenlaw tore his Achilles, you would say what? I think it could be a big reason why. I think circumstance was a big problem for the 49ers. Whether that was Dre Greenlaw, because then you have Oren Burks, you have Flanagan Fowles playing. And I thought Flanagan Fowles and Oren Burks battled, and they played as good as they could. But Dre Greenlaw in coverage is different. And I thought that they targeted Oren Burks the same way uh, that Detroit and Green Bay targeted Oren Burks, and they found ways to get him the football. Uh, and it was it was definitely something that hurt the 49ers. Uh, 49ers defense played great, and they played great with guys who stepped up, including guys like Jair Brown. But, yeah, I think Drake Greenlaw being down was a big reason why. But I can't put it completely on that because I think John Feliciano going out in the third quarter is a huge reason why Brock Purdy doesn't have more time in certain situations to get rid of the football. And if he does – they might have won the game in regulation. So I think it was a combination of those two guys in circumstance, but I definitely think Dre going down was huge in what happened and was the out, overall outcome in that game. Yeah, that was big. Uh, Spencer Burford obviously missed Chris Jones uh, on that uh, play. He admitted as much. Uh, huge, huge lapse in his focus or whatever that missed assignment because Brandon Ayuk was wide open in the end zone. Jawan Jennings was open. Uh, they possibly win the game if uh, if that doesn't happen. CJ said the fumble off of Looter, that was huge. Big momentum turner. Um, I just don't know what else uh, what else you do there. I mean, you're a coach, so you know you teach your players when there's a ball bouncing, an oblong ball that doesn't bounce straight up and down. <laughs> you teach your players not to try to pick it up, but to jump on it. But I said earlier in the week when uh, I, I was on here and I uh, was talking to some people that I remember back in high school, I played free safety. We had a guy that broke through the line. Somebody hit him. It was right near the goal line. Ball bounced into the end zone. 
because I'm the safety. I was right there before anybody else was. I jumped on the ball, didn't try to pick it up, jumped on it, and it squirted right out from under me. So I know that even when you try to jump on the ball, it doesn't always go the way you want it to. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to make too much out of what Ray Ray McLeod did. That's a tough spot to be in. Uh, and I, I don't really blame Looter either. It was just a fluky play. Yeah, it, it's a frustrating one. I mean, there's an onus on Ray Ray McLeod to catch that football, right? I mean, there's an, he's got to come up or at least he's got to be yelling poison, Peter, whatever you yell to get away from the football and you've got to abandon whatever you're doing, blocking whatever, and just sprint away from the football because he's got to be yelling left, left, right, right, letting him know where the ball's coming from. I don't know if he did that. I don't know what happened, but that ball landed and hit Darrell Luter Jr. And Ray Ray McLeod had one option. That was to get his body on that football. And it didn't work out. And like CJ said, it led right to points. And that's unfortunate because the 49ers had kept uh, the Kansas City offense at bay. They were not getting into the end zone. When they did get down there, they're being held to field goals, Harrison Buckner field goals. And I had been talking about this being a touchdown field goal game for the 49ers. That's how you win. And then all of a sudden they get the breakthrough. And once that happened, it definitely turned this game because the 49ers went from being up to being down. And so it was a huge point in the game. Special teams hurt the 49ers. I don't know how you prepare for those things besides what we already talked about. It just didn't go their way. Uh, I think Ray Ray, and it, if he had his choice, he would want to get down on that football. But we don't know for sure he would have got it. But it's just unfortunate, and it turned right into points. It was a it was a huge determining factor in that game. If the Dre Greenlaw injury wasn't the biggest play of the game, and if the ball that bounced off a looter's leg wasn't the biggest, you have to go back to that third quarter drought when Jair Brown picks off. Patrick Mahomes and Kyle Shanahan calls three straight passing plays. Then the 49ers get the ball back. He calls another three straight passing games. Then they get the ball back again and he calls two passing plays. So the first nine plays, eight of them were passing plays. One was a run in play. I felt like that was, yeah, and look, I, I'm not one that's hard on Kyle. I, I respect him. I think he's great. But I remember when Raheem Moster ran for over 200 yards, and two weeks later in the Super Bowl, he didn't touch the ball hardly at all in the fourth quarter. I remember 2021 against the Rams when in the fourth quarter, Kyle stopped running the ball. Now, I, I think the way the Rams were playing in that game forced him to do that. But look, I mean, we're talking another Super Bowl, another big game loss, another lead that was blown. And yet it was again. Now I know that in the fourth quarter and in overtime, they did run the ball more, but to start off the third quarter, I really felt like they should have been. That was the time to start running the ball down their throat. I had a, fr I have a friend who uh, one of my best friends is a big fan of the chiefs. And he texted me early in the game. Uh, I think fourth or uh, first quarter. It, it during this time, the 49ers were just running it right down the chief's throat. And he texted me and said, if this keeps happening, they're going to wear that Chiefs defense down. And I said, good. <laughs> That's what I wanted them to do. And then in the third quarter, when I felt like uh, that this is where you want to start 
imposing your will and they didn't do it. And so I wondered what your thoughts on that were, because I hated that three, three consecutive three and outs uh, without running the ball, except for that one time. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, there were there were moments in that situation where, you know, I was calling for run plays as well, uh, but it, there were penalties as well. Negative plays were a problem for the 49ers again, whether that was a penalty, a holding call, or it was a false start, you know, starting all of a sudden you're second and 15. What are you supposed to do? Uh, you know, the, the Chiefs, right. you run for five yards, now you're third and 10 and they can tee off on you. No, you got to get half of that back. So I think it's a combination of circumstance, and what and what you're getting from the defense. I mean, Spagnola was doing a very good job of making sure he was bringing guys up in the box and trying to prevent McCaffrey from having some success. They were looking for ways to 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 take advantage of that. So I thought there were some situations that the 49ers got themselves into, uh, whether it was penalties or whatever, that definitely contributed to that. But I would have loved to have seen a little bit more run game here and there. I thought there was going to be a little bit more creativity than the run game than we saw. Uh, maybe. Maybe George Kittle's not as healthy. Uh, we did see him go back. He was he was dealing with the toe. I think there were some underlying things that probably contributed to that. But there was a stretch there that was you don't know you know what Kyle's doing. I think one time he ran a little boot pass. It didn't work out, and I think he was doing it because he thought that they were going to sell out for the run because he had just thrown three times in a row, and so he thought, well, they're going to get back to it. So he he basically was trying to outsmart them. And it came back to bite him in the butt. So I think that stuff happens as a play caller. You expect lulls. Uh, it's just when you get back on, you're just hoping that you're going to be able to execute in time. And unfortunately, they weren't. But uh, when you got to the fourth quarter, they were wearing Kansas City's defense down. Kansas City's defense was huffing and puffing. They're faking injuries to stay on the ground. Uh, they were they were definitely in a world of hurt. Yeah, I did see that. I thought the same thing. That uh, I don't remember who it was, but I was like, that Carol guy ain't hurt. Because it was in a time where the 49ers were really moving the ball, and all of a sudden this guy just is hurt out of nowhere. Yeah, he injures so. his finger. The trainers come out, and they never even take off his glove. Like, <laughs> you didn't even look at the finger? Come on. Yeah. And I, I do think that Steve Spagnolo was um, – he was disguising some things. He was given um, – heavy box looks and then backing off. He was given blitz looks and then backing off. We're doing the opposite. And so they were trying to, I, I think they were trying to fool Brock Purdy. Um, but let's switch gears to that young quarterback. I thought that Brock Purdy played really well. Um, if he was Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes then maybe people walk away going, gosh, he wasn't as good as, as I expected him to be. But to be a second year guy, um, man, I, I thought that he was, I thought that he played really well. Yeah. I thought, I thought he held his emotions in check. Uh, he operated the offense the way you want. Um, you know, I mean, with all things, he's going to look back on it and the team's going to look back on it and there's going to be plays they left on the field. And, you know, that's unfortunate because whenever you lose big games, that's what you do. Coaches, players, everyone looks back. But I thought Brock Purdy had a real command of the offense, and I thought he was getting him in and out of the plays like he was supposed to. You didn't see any of those those young mistakes. You know, we ran out of time. We got to call timeout at the line. Like, you, he was just very in tune with what was going on. The moment was never too big for him. And I think that's huge because when you're going to grow as a quarterback, you've got to make sure there's certain elements to his game that he has. And I think one of those ones that I love is the fact that nothing shakes him. We just saw the biggest moment in his entire uh, career 
playing in the Super Bowl, and he wasn't shaken. He was confident. He was comfortable, and he did the best he could. And I, I think that you can grow from that. This isn't this isn't the best Brock Purdy we've seen. He's going to get better, and I think that's promising for the 49ers. Yeah, it's it is definitely encouraging, and especially when you look at the fact that we're going to go into the offseason not having to wonder who's going to be our quarterback. Uh, and we have, you know, last year we were saying, is it going to be Trey Lance because um, uh, Brock was hurt? The year before, it was Jimmy Garoppolo, but uh, is he going to be back? You know, all of this stuff. And and then you have the Trey Lance trade and, and draft and all that. And so, and there was talk of Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford. And and so finally we get to go into an offseason not uh, wondering who the quarterback is. What do you think about uh, a couple of injuries? Eric Armstead tore his MCL. I would think he should be fine by training camp. Uh, and what do you think about uh, Dre Greenlaw's injury? I reached out to a, um, a, a surgeon, orthopedic surgeon on Twitter to ask, because uh, I had that question in, in our mailbag. And, and, and so I wanted to, to see what he thought. And he said that for NFL linebackers, that 70% of them are able to come back and play, which kind of concerned me that he said that because that means 30% don't make it back. Uh, from an Achilles injury. Um, and he said that usually it's a nine to 12 month uh, thing for, for a linebacker. Um, nine months puts us at, uh, I think, November. Uh, but he did mention that there are some newer procedures that uh, newer rehabs that are helping players come back. Like he named Cam Akers and Aaron Rodgers, who were able to get back. Uh, even though Aaron Rodgers was never cleared to play, he was back a much, much quicker than anyone thought. What, what do you think? Cause it sounds like there's the, the potential that Greenlaw could miss the, the 2024 season or could come back November or could be back by training camp. And then there, there are some, who are saying he's never going to be the same because he relies on speed. I don't really buy that, but uh, you know, I, I think that he can come back strong. Well, what do you think about those two injuries? Um, I think with, with Eric Armstead, uh, this is, this is going to be something they take care of. Uh, he'll be, he'll be ready to go and start training again after six weeks after surgery. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not really worried about Armstead. Uh, he'll be good to go when it comes to Greenlaw. This is one of those injuries that you just don't know how you're going to recover, but you did bring up, there are some good, you know, examples now of players coming back with Akers and Rodgers. And even his hot boy, uh, Quan Alexander, came back early from an Achilles injury a, few, a couple years ago. So this can happen. They can't come back. Quan still moves very fast for a linebacker. I think he's the one I'm going to look at the most. I think Dre can do it. If there's one thing I know about Dre Greenlaw, he doesn't shy away from putting in the work and putting in the effort. He'll do everything he can to get back. I think the 49ers are going to have to put in contingency plans just in case he's not available. You know, are there young guys going to be ready? Jalen Graham, D winners. Are those guys going to be guys that can count on? Are they going to bring back Oren Burks or Demetrius Flanagan fouls? Those are questions, but also they could address this in the draft. They could say, you know what? We need a third linebacker anyways. Let's spend a higher draft pick on a good linebacker and put him in there until Dre gets back. Uh, but the 49ers definitely have a question mark next to Fred Warner. They're going to have to answer it at some point, but I'm hoping Dre comes back closer to training camp, but 
I think realistically, we're probably talking October, November before we see Dre Greenlaw on the field, and that might be the smartest move. Great stuff, Ant. Uh, anything else you want to add before we take off here? No, I'm just, you know, hey, here we are. We're still talking Super Bowl. Uh, the closer we get away from it, then we get into more exciting things like draft picks and talking the draft. <laughs> and I like when we get into that. Of course, free agency will be coming. It's, what, four weeks away, a month away now? I mean, we're almost there. So uh, this thing's about to pick up. Your season went long, but now the off season's here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of conversation to see how the 49ers build 2024. And I know that uh, your channel and my channel are both going to be producing content throughout the off season. So make sure everyone comes by and checks it out. Like and subscribe if you haven't already, uh, because you know the content doesn't stop because the NFL doesn't stop. And the 49ers <laughs> are still on a quest for six, whether they just lost or not. Uh, it's it's John Lynch and Kyle Shannon are going to be they're going to be tireless and and finding a way to get over the hump and win a Super Bowl. Scouting combines in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm hoping to be there. Still waiting Ooh. to get approved for a press pass. Hasn't happened yet. It uh, says that it's pending. Uh, so I, I might be there or I might not be. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Well, hopefully but thanks, everybody. Are. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll be fun. It'll be a, a pretty cool opportunity. I want to be there the, uh, the day that uh, John Lynch addresses the media and try to get one of my questions answered. So we'll see. There you go. But uh, thanks everybody for watching. Um, Ant, that's been great working with you on the PSF app. This is our final uh, stream on the PSF app. Uh, but hey, I, I hope that maybe we can do this once a month or something uh, yeah. moving forward because uh, I've enjoyed working with you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in for it. You know, however many times you want to work once a month sounds good to me. Uh, let, let's, let's keep doing it. Uh, always en enjoy working with you, Mark. So, that's one of the great things that came out of this season was us doing the show together. I look forward to continuing to work together. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been fun, and it was a great season, even if it ended in heartbreak. But thanks, everybody, for watching and for taking part in the chat. We appreciate all, all of your support and hope that uh, you'll join us back whenever we're live during, during the season. Make sure that you go uh, find both of our channels and like and subscribe like Ant asked you to do. Uh, we really appreciate that. See you, everybody.